0: aboard
1: the struggle bus. You've problems just like us. I'm aboard the struggle bus. Let Kate and Sally help you. Welcome to the struggle bus. I'm Kate.
0: I'm Sally. And we
1: are here to fix your lives.
0: That said, we are two people whose only qualifications to give you advice are that we have lots of feelings and lots of opinions. Neither
1: of which are a substitute for professional guidance. Hey! Catherine. We're back. We're back. Oh, what a what a very grandiose two weeks it's been it's been a whirlwind a whirlwind a whirlwind a whirlwind well listen uh, before we get to that and mm-hmm. we will you can tweet at us at struggle bus pod email us at struggle at gmail.com if you have a question and if you would like to join our secret Facebook group you can email us at the same address with you uh, the address you log into Facebook with and we will add you I'll put it in a separate email from the questions and please let us know in the subject line Instagram.com slash the struggle bus pod use the hashtag Struggle for 420 to find a struggle buddy. Go on to StruggleBusPodcast.com to check out my amazing timestamps, which I invented, <laughs> and to to uh, get the click to log in to become a VIP member where you get a monthly bonus episode and a cool thing in the mail.
0: Yeah, we'll send you a thing in the mail and you get an archive of all of the bonus episodes we've recorded. And there's a hell of
1: a lot of them. Hell of a lot. Hell of a lot. Like 18, 17? Something like that. All right. Tweet at Sally T. Tweet at me at SBK Heller. Hi. Hey. Is it opening jibber-jabber? I think it is. It is. All right. Well, uh, it has been so long. Um, huge thanks to Molly Neffel, who stepped in when I was having my first of many infrastructure week. Uh-huh. First of two. Um, but things are better. Okay. It's a, it's, a, it's a personal thing, and I'll get into it later, but... Uh, I'm okay. Okay, and I'm doing all right. Good. Yes, I'm glad to hear. But Molly stepped in, and then we were going to start recording last week.
0: Yeah, who had oh. an
1: infrastructure week? Well,
0: I last week threw you a bit of a curveball. My <laughs> appendix threw me a bit of a curveball. I, I was about to say it's your appendix <laughs> that threw yeah. you the curveball. Yeah. So it was uh, it was April second ni- uh, No, that was the year I was born. It was not, it was April second, twenty eighteen. <laughs> Picture it, Sicily. <laughs> Picture it, Sicily, nineteen twelve. Um. It was my 39th birthday, Catherine, and what should happen, but my appendix should become inflamed and I would have to have it removed from my body.
1: How did you know that you had to go to the like hospital? What was the...
0: I was real sick all weekend. Um, Like I was, I was like in a fair amount of abdominal pain. And it didn't feel like a regular stomach ache. And I called my doctor's office and I was like describing how I felt. And they were like, you know, it it sounds like, you know, when people have append- appendicitis, typically they have a fever and they're like in, in, doubled over in pain and like throwing up and stuff. None of that was happening. Mm-hmm. So I just chilled. I didn't chill. I actually went home to New Haven for Passover, led a Seder, all while feeling terrible. I hadn't really eaten in days. I had no appetite. Monday morning, I was like, It was my birthday, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to give myself the gift of going to the doctor. So I went to the doctor, and she touched my tummy a little bit. You know, they poke around the old Mm -hmm. tummy, and she's like, you know, you feel like a little tender. I'd like you to get a CAT scan. So let me tell you about getting a CAT scan, which maybe you've had for your abdomen. I hadn't. You drink this stuff, which is like – actually, it was like lemonade. It wasn't too bad. It's contrast dye, you know?
1: I've had that. Yeah. yeah. It's not good.
0: It's like it's like compared to stuff I've had to drink for other tests, like it could it was okay. My preference would be to never drink it again. <laughs> so you and drink- You have to have it, a lot of it, right? You have right? to have a lot of it. And I thought I was being a hero by pounding it. But the thing is, it has to make its way like through your body in order to like reach the part of you that they need to scan. So I I went there at like nine thirty and it took them until like one. I was there like we're just waiting for it to just like make its way through my body anyway they took a cat scan and they were like okay you have appendicitis wow so i went back to my doctor um and there was a surgeon there and he sent me to mount sinai and uh there i was and and i and he complimented me on my high pain tolerance um because he was like most people you know would would be like doubled over and stuff but i i was thinking about it and i think that um because I get migraines and I find them so excruciating, anything that isn't that painful, I'm like, this is walking around pain. Turns yeah. out appendicitis not walking around pain.
1: Yeah, get no. Get that taken right out. No, take that right take out. Take that right out. Oh, it's yeah. weird that I thought they could tell just by, I don't know, regular x ray, but no, I guess not.
0: Yeah, I don't know how, how that works. I don't know why sometimes <laughs> got they a need to or I say that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but it, they should be able to. I feel like, I don't know, it, there's just like a lot of. Um, Hassle to go through to be told that I was just going to have it taken out, but I guess they need to diagnose me. Properly. Yeah. Um, but I, I was able to go home that same night, and um, like I made it by like fifteen minutes. Like I, I had fifteen minutes basically to be able to leave. And I'm just going to say it: they don't let you leave until you can pee. If you were yeah. in the hospital, that's the thing. And I was in this recovery room that closed at like. 10 30 or 11 or something like that and so I was like I just really need to pee before 10 30 or 11 whatever it was um and I just made it Catherine I just made it so I was able oh. to go home because otherwise I would have had to like move into a room and like stay over oh. so I just made it I was really proud I got back to my apartment with my wonderful partner Andrea who was with me the entire day at the hospital and we um we celebrated my birthday at eleven thirty p.m. and uh and then and then my appendix was gone and it was fine. And that's my story. Wow. So anyway, that is all to say that's why we couldn't record last week. Yes. Because I thought I was going to be up for it. And oh boy, was I not up for it.
1: Yeah. And I, I do feel OK saying this. I'm going my infrastructure week involves a restructuring of a relationship. So yeah. I think you can infer from that what you will. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a very our text conversations have yeah. been <laughs> you like you know giving some great advice and like us just joking and then a cat photo and then right. a dog thing from twitter and then you know some appendicitis stuff right and
0: it's been real like, interesting i'm terrible how are you terrible thanks for asking yeah, love you love, I love you too you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's been a pretty intense week at struggle bus depot oh, well a yes. few weeks
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah. but
0: but we're here and we're ready to Let's, Keep doing a show. Once do a show, yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. You were
1: so good with Molly, by the way. I was editing it from home. I was like, just laughing. Oh, <laughs> thank and you. Yeah, you yeah we had so fun. Funny. She's
0: like such a pro, like pinch hitter. She just like steps in and like does the damn thing. Yeah. It's great.
1: She's good at it. I mean, go figure it when you have your own podcast every day. <laughs> That's a really, really good point. Oh, <laughs> um, well, also, big congratulations to John Neffel, who's works on the President Show, by the way. That's wow. her brother. Yeah. Um, they had a huge special on Comedy Central, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. It was really really well done. It was biting. It was it got serious. It went places. Oh, that's cool. oh yeah, it's a really so hey John, what's up?
0: Congrats, yeah. John.
1: Yeah, big stuff. Um the
0: cool. So should we talk about a thing we did for self-care? Yes. A big big self-care couple weeks for us oh, probably. Oh
1: boy. So, a thing we did for self-care. Sally, what did you do?
0: Well, I had a lot of opportunities for self-care last week because starting with um, appendix gate I basically was like lying around just putting painkillers in my mouth and like napping. Andrea did this thing where like every time I fell asleep, she took a picture of me with like in the back and like I'm in the background sleeping and she's like doing the thumbs up and oh. smiling. There's like a million of them. So but I, I wanted to say that um, I think that my like greatest triumph of self-care the entire week was the, the night of my appendectomy. I was like in the recovery room just like waiting around till I could be discharged and I hadn't eaten in ages cuz I hadn't really had an appetite and then you have to fast for the surgery which was fine cuz again like I couldn't like cope with eating and I still like wasn't really hungry but I was like what I was like Andrea what's in the vending machine here and so she went to the vending machine and just because I was like I deserve to have something from a vending machine yes, right you do. I'm not even really I was thinking I would get some pretzels which were like a fave snack or maybe like some combos which is anything like savory and crunchy mm-hmm. she sent me a picture of the vending machine oh for some reason like I saw this Twix and I just became enchanted Catherine it was like making eye contact with like a <laughs> nymph or something I was just like <laughs> I don't know where that came from but I, she brought me a Twix, and I ate it up. And I don't th- like I don't really like sweets. I don't think I've had a candy bar in, like, a couple decades. This Twix was the best thing I've ever eaten. They're amazing. In my life. Twix are great. And you eat one, and then there's another one after yeah. it. You know, there's two in the thing. And I know it's basically the size of a regular candy bar, but, like, <laughs> psychologically, you think you're eating two candy bars? <laughs> anyway,
1: it was amazing. I thought you were going to follow it up with, and then I bought another one.
0: I, I should have, honestly. Mm. That That was... That was like my greatest act of self-care all Mm -hmm. week, I think. By the that way, in the Percocet.
1: By the way, the I deserve something from a vending machine is how I feel every <laughs> time I walk by a vending machine. I'm
0: like, I deserve right? a treat. Who invented the vending machine? Why are they not like a saint?
1: Yeah. Yeah. this big old big boxes of treats with you put money in, they right? give you a thing, and it but with no
0: human interaction. That's the best part. And it doesn't feel like it's a lot of money because it's just some coins <laughs> or, you know, you put the dollar bill in the thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's good times. Mm.
1: Catherine. Ooh, then, yeah. Tell me about your self care. Well, what didn't I do for self care this <laughs> last couple of weeks? Uh, baths, therapy, mm-hmm. um, calls, friends, and I got flowers sent to me from my friend Betsy. Which Aww, is so sweet. Nice. And you, you were so wonderful and you did something very nice for me. You sent me a little chunk of money. Oh, yeah. And I was like, huh? And you said, you know, use this to buy yourself food or whatever you want. And I was like, So I texted you. I was like, oh, my God, thank you so much. That's that's actually a really nice thing to do for someone because, yeah, I bought dinner that night.
0: That's like a just to say that's a Rachel Wilkerson Miller original. She wrote this (gasps) awesome essay about how, like, sending people like basically Venmoing people is like an amazing way. It's like it's a version of sending someone flowers that actually allows them to, like do whatever they want for themselves yeah and ever since I read that essay I've just been like willy-nilly like sending
1: people money on Venmo you you said to me money can't buy happiness but it sure can buy the shit out of (laughs) self-care it's
0: so true and it was
1: really sweet of you oh and so I've just been you know taking care of myself um and having conversations and doing things Uh, my theater company's been extraordinary help I you know still am in the show I Mm -hmm. can't I mean even if, I mean, it, it's just been it's been rough, but I was considering leaving, but I couldn't because we just had too small of a cast. And it, they've been wonderful. Oh, that's awesome. So just kind of like I have the best friends. Mm. I have the greatest people surrounding me and I'm really lucky. So
0: You are you are someone who is loved by a great many people. Aww, I've thanks, I've noticed many times and in, in hanging out with you and getting to know you. I'm glad you have a rad community. Rad communities. Yes, we
1: do. We do. So huge thanks. And yeah, I've just been taking care of myself. Nice. I love it. Yeah. All that stuff. Cool. So what do you think? Should we get right to it? Let's get the heck to it. Let's do it. Okay. Email number one is uh, from, they chose their name, (laughs) Winona, (laughs) uh, from Girl Interrupted. Yeah, Winona Ryder. And can I read this one? Yeah, please. Mm -hmm. All right. Hi, Sally and Kate. Content note self harm, suicide, eating disorder, mental illness. Thank you. A bit of background on myself. I'm a 24 year old actress trying to make it here in New York City, working through the grind and doing the thing. I was trained in physical theater specifically, along with musical theater. And my passion is theater making using the skills I have learned during the incredible years I had in college. Another bit of important information about myself is that I suffer from mental illness, including borderline personality disorder, major, de- major depressive disorder, chronic, recurrent, and generalized anxiety with a touch of an eating disorder. I've been in treatment since 2016 for these issues, and they ebb and flow depending on the day. I am in psychotherapy, group therapy, and on a variety of medications to help me with these conditions. Last year, I was hospitalized for nearly three weeks following a suicide-slash-self-harm incident. While being in the hospital was certainly a terrifying period in my life, my three weeks there taught me so much about myself and people around me suffering from the same things I was and am still dealing with. In the hospital, I made lifelong friends, experienced new things, dove inward, and discovered some deep truths about myself and the world as I saw it, and I wrote every bit of it down in a notebook. Following the hospitalization, I was placed in a day hospitalization program where I was equally inspired. Following the day program, I was placed in hospital after hospital and clinic after clinic until I finally found a team and treatment that worked for me. Being a difficult case, I have still faced many challenges day after day with these illnesses, although I have greatly improved. Because I am an actor and an aspiring theater maker—I hesitate to say playwright because I've only ever devised my own work rather than actually written a play—the experience I've had, both in and out of the hospital and with my own mind, have inspired me to begin telling my story— I don't know whether this means writing a novel, writing a play, or devising a piece of theater piece together. After reading Twyla Thorpe's The Creative Habit, I feel more ready than ever to begin. However, I'm absolutely terrified of coming out, quote unquote, as mentally ill to my friends and family if this piece does happen. I feel compelled to create and tell my story to alleviate the potential suffering of other people dealing with these things, and as an artist, I feel it might be my duty to create when the inspiration is there. The problems I have are these one, how do I even begin? Two, how do I keep my story original i e not a revival of girl interrupted three, what would I deal with the possibility? How would I deal with the possibility of my family and friends knowing what I've gone through when I have worked so hard to hide it? I'm not sure if this email makes any semblance of sense, and I'm not sure why I feel so compelled to write to you, but I decided to follow my gut with this one, ladies. Kate, I know you are an actor and an artist, and I would so appreciate any ideas and feedback that both of you may have for me. Do I go forth and create, or do I hold back and keep my family and friends safe from my suffering? Thank you for listening, and all the best, Winona. Winona, I do have thoughts on that, Mm -hmm. but first I want to hear what Sally has to say.
0: Okay, what I have to say is... Winona, um, I think, like, well, I'm going to let Catherine weigh in on the, like, being an artist, and like, a theater artist part of it. But um, I would say that you mentioned that you're keeping your family and friends safe from your suffering um, and that you've, you're working really hard to hide what you've gone through. And I would just ask you, like, what, to me, like, I want to know, I, I want to know, like, I want to know more about that. I mean, and I think, like, if I was um, consuming your art. I think I would want to know more about that. That's really interesting. But I also just think that like for you as in terms of like something to think about, um, not necessarily for your art, but just for yourself. And maybe you already have, um, if so, disregard what I'm about to say, but like, what, what is it about, um, what you've gone through or like what is up with you or who you are that, where you feel like you have to keep, keep your family and friends safe from your suffering. I think, you know, people want to keep things to themselves and keep things private for all different kinds of reasons. And like, that's totally fine. Like if something's not someone's business, it's not someone's business. But I th- I think your, your reasoning is really specific. Like you think that you're keeping them safe by not letting them know what happened to you. And I'm just, that is like a really specific and particular way to describe that, your choice to not tell them stuff. And mm-hmm. I just, I wonder like who in your life does know what you've gone through. Um, is there anyone who knows what's up with you? Um, just cause uh, like I get, you know, not wanting maybe everyone in your life or your whole family to know stuff, but are there people close to you who know what's up with you? I don't know. Um, I That's the part, I guess what I'm saying in a super roundabout way. What I'm saying is that is the part of this that I have a lot of questions about because it's also like, it's this really interesting, not like paradox, but it's like, you haven't told people close to you what you've gone through, but you want to like tell audiences, which is, in but like the middle ground isn't there, which is really interesting. And I think that that's like, I, I also understand that. I don't think it's like weird, but it's like specific. So anyway, my point is, I would encourage you to like, get involved with thinking about that Catherine. yeah no that's
1: think? that is a, i'm really glad that i was going to say the same thing about that which is that's why is that you know because at some point maybe you do want your friends to know and and i think that there's information you think people can't handle but they surprisingly can and people might even relate or or divulge like oh a family member or something similar because when i go on stage and talk about very personal things I get nothing. I'm actually always overwhelmed by the people who come to me after the show who are like wanting to talk about their things. And there's a sense of relief when the truth is out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I did a one woman show ten, mm, eight years ago about my father, mm-hmm. and I I knew my family was going to be there, not my dad, but um, I was I was most worried about my mother coming because mm-hmm. it's hard to hear these things. I'm yeah. sure, and everything I did check with all the family members that it was okay I was saying. But it was just my mother that was one of the hardest performances because they love you. And mm-hmm. they your family members, I listen, I don't know you, but I I'm sure your friends won't judge you and your family loves you. If people react strangely or it's off putting it's because maybe they didn't know you were in so much pain. It can be an uncomfortable thing to tell people and if they have a reaction that's not something that you Would want It doesn't necessarily mean they're angry or Mm. scared. Maybe they're just sad that you've gone through so much. So, you know, that's the first thing to think about. But you don't have to tell them. You can start doing... Okay, let's start with number one. How do I even begin? Mm -hmm. Do you go to storytelling shows? Are you comfortable just maybe trying out some stories in front Mm. of strangers? Mm. So, like... And also, they're not filmed. So, like, you don't need... You don't need to tell anyone yet that you don't want to. I find that doing it in small audiences helps me talk about a thing, Mm -hmm. helps me curate a story. Mm -hmm. I have a wonderful opportunity now that I'm in the New York Neo-Futurist that every week I get to write about my life. And I say get to, not have to, but there's times where it feels like a little bit of a chore. And that's after years and years and years of being a writer, but also going to storytelling shows, consuming art. Like, start small. Mm. Don't start big. Start small. You do you. I highly recommend that you can also uh, oh yeah I want to go back to consuming art go to shows about these things mm-hmm. try to find another play out there that might relate to you and see how they tap- tackle a topic or if there's a performer who it talks about their mental illness maybe go see one of their shows you know so there's so many different ways to start but consume and start creating very mm-hmm. small Two, your story is your story. You're the only original story that you can be. Mm -hmm. I was worried my solo show was going to be too similar to this solo show or the next one. But they never are the same. They can't be. Yeah, That's your story. And, you know, listen, I don't even know if you're going to write a solo show, but if you are or even with other people... How on earth would your story not be original? So don't worry about that. Mm -hmm. And also get a good director if you get to the point where you're ready to release it. Get a creative team that you trust because Mm -hmm. people will tell you, like, ooh, this scene's not landing. It's a little bit too much Mm -hmm. like this. You know, just trust trust in your art. And three, deal with the possibility of family, friends, knowing. I know we kind of covered that. I mean... You don't have to tell them until you're ready, but you can still start this show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's something that you, if it's holding you back, that's just know that you never have to do the show for them. Yeah. Um, you can choose to do whatever you want, and if the day comes, then you'll deal with it then.
0: Yeah, and maybe maybe this project will like help you figure out, you know, the extent to which you do want to tell people some details. Like, I don't, I don't really want to make it seem like there's like a right way and a wrong way to like tell people what you've gone through. But I do have a hard time understanding how one would be like, feel like they were showing up in a real full way to all their relationships. If they were hiding like a huge chunk of their Mm. past from like everyone in their lives, which is not to say that like more than like one or two people need to like really know you. But like, I just, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around um, hiding my history from like everyone. Um, Mm. And so I, I guess like I would encourage you to um, maybe use this process as a way of like figuring your relationship to talking about what has happened in your life. Um, The other thing I was going to say about the originality thing is like, I, I agree with what Catherine said that, um, you know, it's going to be your story. So it's going to be original. But the other thing is like, you know, I love like stories that take place in dystopias. I'm not going to like not read one because it's been done. I'm going to be like, Ooh, another story about a dystopia. That's good. You know, like another crime podcast. Ew. right? Exactly. (laughs) That's the thing. I mean, so it's like for me, like if the thing is good, um, I'm going to want to consume it. It doesn't matter if it's like, this quote-unquote the same thing I've seen a million times I mean you know if I was a big fan of Girl Interrupted I would be like please which it was fine I saw it when it came out I liked it but I'm just saying like if I was really into it I would be psyched that there were like more things like that you know and I understand you're asking about Mm -hmm. like not wanting to do something that's like derivative and something like that and I think that like as someone who is like not really an artist at all. Um, I don't really know what I'm talking about, but I just my guess oh, is that you've dabbled like, in acting, Sally. I know this. <laughs> well, I spoke okay. to
1: your family. <laughs> well,
0: true. I can't believe that I was betrayed by my best friend who told a story about oh. me. That was so terrible. I like I like pulled the rug out from someone on the stage, like with that story. That, that Wizard of Oz story. Yeah. You pulled the rug out from someone? Well, like, I mean, not literally, but, like, oh, oh, I just, oh. I just like, threw them such a curveball on stage. I'm such a monster. Anyway, mm. point is, um, like, other than my uh, storied acting career, I don't have that much experience as an artist, but my impression is that, you know, working on, like, y- maybe you're not gonna, like, the second you sit down to create something, you know, from whole cloth, create something that's, like, original and, like, does everything you wanted to do and is dynamic but like it's a process of and you said you've devised work before so like you know it's it's a process and you'll work on it and maybe you'll be able to get feedback and you know reshape things like Catherine said and eventually you will have the thing that you feel like is not a revival of Girl Interrupted but maybe has things in common with it because it's like a story that you like or admire but is your story and has like all the stuff about you but I just I think it's a process that you have to like just you have to just like lean into it and know that it's gonna take a
1: while. Yeah, I did a one woman show about a parent. Tell me that hasn't been done before. You know,
0: <laughs> there is the, uh, only one 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 person shows are only about parents. I mean, but if we're being honest, everything's <laughs> about parents. Like no one has ever created art that wasn't about their parents. Let's just be clear.
1: Oh man, but um, yeah. I mean, listen. Yeah, I I think that you should go for it. Go forth and create, and you don't ever have to show them the show. But does don't let it stop you from at least writing it Mm -hmm.
0: yeah Yeah. and you can also do the thing where like you find ways of like making art that's about your experience without being maybe it's not like literally representative in like a totally naturalist way and there's like some weird dada shit in there but mm-hmm. you know what it means i don't know but yeah do your thing create something amazing and uh get an egot and tell everyone it started with us
1: yes and put me in it if there's an extra role
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. sure yeah we're available for walk-ons and yeah walk-ons Catherine and does on um, christenings yeah and Catherine does vo- um voice work so yeah accents and whatever we can fully sound effects for you
1: i will do voiceover for yeah, you
0: yeah so uh what we're saying is please employ us <laughs> <laughs> okay so good luck winona with Thank your work.
1: you winona all right email number two
0: Okay. Email number two, they say, I'd like something from a high fantasy series, maybe Arwen from Lord of the Rings or Daenerys slash Sansa from Game of Thrones. I'd like to make the executive decision that we go with Sansa because I don't think we've ever used that before. And Sansa is just the raddest.
1: Fantastic. Okay. Cool.
0: Hi, Kate and Sally. I'm going through a difficult breakup and could use some advice on processing the relationship and being without it now. He and I were each other's first real relationship, and we loved each other deeply and passionately. We're both in our very early 20s and go to college together, and the relationship lasted about one and a half years. It's about a week after the breakup now, and I'm absolutely heartbroken. We both loved each other more than we've ever loved anyone. We used to talk all the time about getting married someday and sharing our lives together, and our life and career plans aligned quite well for this. He was there for me during some of the most difficult times of my life, and our lives became very interwoven. We laughed a lot together, and being with him felt incredible. But as you might expect from us breaking up, we had some problems. We had a very hurtful and destructive cycle that we couldn't seem to stop, no matter how many times we talked about it. For some reason, I'm still trying to figure it out. He seemed to set off my anxiety fairly often, causing me to act either distant or over-emotional. He would typically react to this with frustration, usually avoiding slash ignoring me or bluntly telling me that he didn't want to be around me. This would make my anxiety much worse, and it usually ended with him leaving very stressed and frustrated and me crying and feeling abandoned. He also told me sometimes that he had trouble seeing me as a friend. We're very different people. In the last few weeks, it became overwhelming, and I started having thoughts of wanting to break up. We were both very conflicted and didn't know what to do. Then last week, after another bad incident, we broke up. I immediately regretted it and tried to talk to him, but he was firm in that the relationship was making him unhappy, and it was too hurtful for both of us, and we needed to move on. It ended as well as one could hope. We thanked each other for everything and both expressed that part of us would always love each other. But now that it's over, I regret the breakup, and every night I have dreams of getting back together with him, even though I know it probably won't happen. I'm trying to stick with no contact, but I still have to see him almost every day for classes, and I cry almost every time I see him. I reached out to some people nearby who have been very supportive and kind to me, which I appreciate because he was my main support. I'm also trying new clubs and staying active, and I have a therapist to help me with it. I'm deep in the stages of grief, though. I'm sorry. I'm deep in the stages of grief, though every day gets a teeny bit easier. I still can't bring myself to throw away his toothbrush in my bathroom or the pictures of us in my phone. Do you have any advice for how to move on from someone you're still in love with and how to process the end of a beautiful but tumultuous
1: relationship? Thank you so much for your help, Sansa. So I am so sorry you're going through this. And as I alluded to, I am I am going through a similar thing. And everyone... Knows breakups are hard, but at that moment, what you're feeling right now is a terrible feeling. And I'm really sorry that you're going through this. I am so happy to hear that you have a therapist and you're staying active and doing things. But as far as um, getting over this, it's going to take time and it's going to suck. A breakup is, is, very devastating it can be like a. it can feel like a death I mean it's a major loss it's a sadness it's a lot of unanswered questions there's a lot of you know things that that happen things that are said things that you wish you didn't say but you will be okay and I will tell you I this um basically what was the exact question hold on a second I just want to make sure I have oh yeah Advice on how to move on from someone yeah. you're still in love with. Well, you will eventually, but please take your time and do tiny radical acts of self care or large ones. Your friends are there for you. You are in good treatment. Um, so I'll give you an example of something I'm going to do for you that was done for me yesterday. I was uh, we were pitching plays for this week's show at the Near futurists and a woman in the cast sent me a text. Saying, tell me five words of how you're feeling right now and would it be okay if I wrote a play about you? And I was like, okay. And I said, okay, you can do that. I just, you know, and she got up there to do it last night and it's this really beautiful dance play that everyone's in with me and it's called coming into the well with you. Mm. You know, when someone's in a well and they're feeling it yeah. or crawling into the well with you. Either way, crawling's better. <laughs> and it ends, I mean, it's really 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 beautiful and it ends with like this hug. And while she's pitching it, there's tears just pouring. I didn't even bother like wiping. Like they're just mm. pouring down my face because at that exact moment, I could only think, "How did I get so lucky? Mm. How I have wonderful friends?" I didn't feel lucky at the time, but at that moment, I was like, "I am so loved," and it is really important. So tonight, you'll be listening to this tomorrow, but tonight we're doing Wednesday. Mm-hmm. It's Wednesday. We're not doing Wednesday. I might bring. <laughs> it's Wednesday tonight. I'm going to take a few minutes out after I post the episode, <laughs> and I'm going to think about you and send you love and light. I don't know you, um, but I'm just want you to know that I will be thinking of you tonight and sending you all of my love and and a hug from afar. Because as each day gets easier, and it does, you start to see the, the sky opening and the cracks and all that stuff. But there's really nothing I can tell you right now other than it's going to take some time, but I'm thinking of you.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um, Sansa, thanks for writing in. Um, I'm really sorry you're going through it. I think that breakups have this really unique property, which is that, I I really think the only thing that helps is time, but every second feels like a goddamn eternity. So like a week feels like it's like five lifetimes ago, even though a week is not really that much time in terms of like healing emotionally. Um, And it's just the most... the most dreadful feeling. I'm just really sorry that you're going through it. You're you're doing so much stuff to take care of yourself, like trying new clubs, staying active, you have a therapist, you're reaching out to friends. Like those are all the things that I would suggest that you do and you're already doing them, which I think shows that you're really you're really um you're really resilient and you're like really proactive on behalf of your own, you know, self self-care and emotional health. Unfortunately, I I think the only thing to do is um, is is know that it's going to take time and it's going to be – like there's going to come a time that you're going to see the toothbrush and you're going to be ready to part with it. And it might be like a grand gesture where you're like finally ready to do it and you like throw it out and you like stare it down in the trash and then you like – put the lid on the trash can and, like, clap your hands together. Um, Or you might be like, eh, fuck this and throw it out and not even think about it. Or you might break it over your knee and be, like, super angry. Like, whatever. I'm just saying that, like, the moment is going to come when you're going to be ready to part with it and when you're going to be ready to do something with the photos in your phone, either, like, delete them or move them or just decide not to look at them or, or whatever. Um, And so don't – like, one thing I would say is, like, don't rush yourself into – um you know, making, you know, quote unquote, taking those steps, you know, you'll, you'll stop crying when you see him, when you're ready to stop crying, when you see him, you'll get rid of his stuff when you're ready to get rid of his stuff. But it takes, it takes, it can take time. I mean, some people like the first thing they do is like clean out all their you know, partnership. I'm one of those people. I'm just like, there's like no history of like most relationships I've had because I've just like gotten rid of everything like instantaneously. (laughs) But like other people hang on to stuff or for a little while or for a long time. And I think that's totally cool, too. I think it's great. You're doing no contact. I think that that's like it's like so rare that like when we give advice on this show that I feel like there's any advice I would give that feels like definitive and necessary for every situation. But the no contact after breakup thing, I just feel like is the one that is like, you're going to need to do this, you know? And obviously there's times in the aftermath of a breakup when there's contact because you're like working stuff out or figuring stuff out or, you know, achieving some kind of closure or whatever. But at a certain point, as you know, you know, you have to take a break and you're doing that. I just, you're doing all of this stuff. Um, But I do think that some of the hardest relationships to like, to end and to like deal with the fact that they're ending are the ones where you you actually really love the person and it's just like not working out. Mm-hmm. It's like I have in my life found it easier to endure breakups where I'm like in a complete rage at the person, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just really hard to not have that. It's also hard to have that. There's no it's not a win win. It's not. It's <laughs> like, breakups aren't great um, they're really hard and they're terrible and I'm really sorry you're going through it. Um, but I think you're going to be okay. And I think you're going to get through it. And next week you're going to look back on how you felt this week and be like, wow, I feel like a different person. I, and then in two weeks it's going to be even more so. And in a month you're going to look back at how you feel and be like, whoa, I didn't even recognize myself. Mm. I seriously, like, I, I think that that's like, I do think that that is like the, how time passes emotionally after a breakup. Like maybe it's not week to week. Maybe it's month to month. But the point is Mm -hmm. like you're going to look back at a certain point and be like, wow, I am like so much better than I was at this other point. So it it will happen. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I am. I'm thinking of you, sending you love. And then I'm really sorry. And it's it's going to be you will be great. But you don't need to worry about that right now. Right now. Just take care of you. Yeah.
0: Take care of yourself, um, Sansa, and we'll be thinking of you. Yeah. Also, maybe join the support, the support group. Well, <laughs> and I mean, it is a support group. Join our Facebook group if you want. I mean, there's a lot of really good support to yeah. be had there and people like just being like, you know, sometimes people are like, I don't think I'm divulging too much of the group to say when I say that some people are like, I'm having a hard day. Can you send me like cool yes. photos of animals? And then before you know it, I'm like Googling like corgi. Puppy, yeah. cute, and then just like pasting whatever. I can There's find.
1: something so cool about having that freedom of people you don't know and being like, hey, I just want to say I'm having a tough day or run some things by people. It's just a good, supportive place where people are helping each other out. Totally. So, yeah. Yeah. Email number three. What's the name? Okay. This person would like to be called Lily. Hmm.
0: Okay. Dear Kate and Sally, part of my commute to work is a long cycle ride during which I love to listen to podcasts. Yours is one of the highlights of my week. Uh, Thank you very much, Lily. Meant to edit that out, and I didn't. (laughs) Sorry. Okay. Uh, Work-related question. My whole professional career so far has been spent in small, flat, hierarchy-wise, NGOs, non-governmental organizations. Now, my organization is growing, and I'm getting an assistant, which is a new position in the organization. She starts next week, and I am excited about this. It will really help with my workload and allow me to focus on some important things that I just haven't had enough time for. Also, entry-level positions are way too rare in our field, so I'm really, really excited to be able to give a passionate young graduate this opportunity. We explicitly agreed as a team that this should be a role with lots of space for personal and professional development and funding allowing the opportunity to move into a more responsible role in the organization in a year or two. I think this is all pretty awesome. However, I am also worried. I have no experience managing other people. I would love any general advice you can give me on how to be a good manager to this young woman. My second worry is related and more me specific. I am really chaotic because a lot of my work doesn't involve others much. I get to organize it however I like, which in my case is not my planning to-do lists etc are mostly in my head i'd like to say this works for me but it really doesn't i keep trying and then abandoning organizational systems i forget things have trouble focusing on one big thing at once on one thing at once can't prioritize unless there's a deadline heading straight for me at full speed have no conception of how long most tasks will take me even if i've done them many times before i develop inexplicable mental blocks around starting even simple certain tasks get distracted by the smallest things And I am like this all the time, except under extreme deadline pressure. I do manage to perform okay in my job, but it is at quite a high cost to myself in terms of stress, being angry at myself for being like this and working nights and weekends, not because I have too much work, but because I can waste sometimes multiple days per week procrastinating or being ineffective and then having to catch up in what should be my spare time. I have a strong suspicion I may have ADD. My brother's diagnosed. My father is just like us, but thinks everyone is and so has never looked for help. I want to pursue a diagnosis and help, but that could take ages, and my assistant starts next week. How do I stop my chaos from affecting her? I have had interns in the past, but I actually stopped taking them because I felt I was too badly organized to supervise them properly. Our organization is small, so we don't have an HR department or anything like that. My own manager is our director, but he's everyone's manager and also isn't around much because he does a lot of lobbying. I am talking to colleagues to get their advice only about the managing only about managing people in general. I try to hide how chaotic I am. But because of our size and nonprofitness, there's not really any official support available within the organization.
1: Your awesome advice would be very, very welcome. Thank you, Lily. Mm, Lily. So it sounds to me like mm, I'm just trying to figure out how to put it. A lot of people um, do get distracted at work and also feel overloaded. I think that you should know that you're not the only one that can feel that way. That said, if you do want to get diagnosed, definitely put it up there on the priority thing. It might help. You might be able to get a medication that would help you or at least start working on some tools because it sounds to me like you're feeling a little overwhelmed. As far as being a manager, the fact that you're talking to other managers and you're even thinking about it, I have no doubt you're going to be really great to work with. And it sounds like you're concerned about their well-being when you're having one of those chaotic days. Well, I just hired an assistant, Sally, just so you know. And I, too, am a little bit worried, like, am I going to be an okay, like, how is this going to work? But he doesn't need to know that unless he's listening. Hey, buddy. Um, (laughs) But... I will say that you don't know until it starts and you're not you're going to be making mistakes, right? Like this is your first time managing someone. It's going to happen. But just have a clear line of communication with your employee and and just sort of check in with yourself and them every now and again. And, you know, you don't have to let them know this is the first time you're a manager, but just so long as there is an open channel for them to communicate with you and Mm. for you to communicate with them. If you run into any problems, then I would say ask people for advice, people who work there or maybe try to figure out how to fix it. But you're not really going to know if you're going to run into problems until it happens. So just be aware that just make sure you're watching yourself Mm. be a manager. Um, Sally.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really good advice. Um, I think also like, you know, one of the things that, when, when people are, like, taking inventories of whether or not someone has a problem that's, like, severe enough to require intervention, it's like, is it disturbing your... Life or your work or your relationships. And, you know, you're it the way you describe your chaoticness, it sounds like it actually. I mean, you're having to like work during your free time. You, you, it sounds like your, um, your mental blocks, your procrastination are like really intense. This, I, I, I feel like you're really suffering. And, um, you know, I don't know if you have ADD or not. And you, you have a strong suspicion you do. Um, and so I would pursue like talking to a professional about that. Um, but, but like, I, whether or not it's ADD, you, I think you definitely need outside help because, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it just sounds like your ability to, like, work is totally disrupted. Um, So, and I think that your instinct about how that will affect the person you're managing is, like, a really, really smart one to pay attention to. I think if I were in your position, I would, I would, uh, I would want to list out for myself what my expectations are for myself as this person's manager, because, um, it really depends on the, on the position. It depends on, um, you know, organizational expectations. It sounds like there is actually some like professional development and mentorship as part of, um, as part of your role. And that I think is something that one can do, um, and still be like a pretty hectic, disorganized person. I think that there are other parts of being a manager where you, you, it, I, I do think you really have to be pretty organized, but I'm saying that as someone th- there might be people who w- would be okay with a, a manager who is really chaotic. I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I I wouldn't be I would find that really difficult. But I think that like one thing you have to know is like really specifically what you are doing as this person's manager. and if it means like checking in with them, once a week for 30 minutes, like make sure that that's in your calendar and make sure you never miss it. If it means, um, you know, never being late to stuff, but you're always late, like that's a thing you have to address. Like, but I I guess what I'm saying is figure out exactly what it means. So you can then figure out exactly how you're going to accomplish all those things. Um, And I would have, I think it's great. You're talking to other managers. I think, you know, if you can talk to a professional coach, I mean, that probably costs money, but Maybe you can, in that case, like, read some books on, like, being a better manager. Um, I don't – I think that when people say, like, I've tried every organizational system, it doesn't work, I think there's just, like, something else going on. Like, I I, ju- I think that, like, if you have this much trouble um, getting work done and starting work, I don't think that, like, there's an organizational system or an app that's going to, like – change that I'm, mm. i think there are probably strategies that can really help you um but i think this is like way deeper than what is the right strategy um and i i don't as far as how you stop your chaos from affecting the person that reports to you um i think that that's really hard i don't i don't actually know that you can that that I mean, I guess I'm speaking from my personal experience when I've had chaotic managers and and been like, this person is just really chaotic. I I just I don't know if you can protect them from it. I think that what you can do is what Catherine suggested, which is have a really open line of communication and, you know, have a conversation with them about work styles and say, like, this is how I am. This is my work style. What's yours like? What do you need from me? You know, and, and just be really open about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Get feedback from them and keep working from there. That's all really good advice.
0: Yeah, but I definitely think that you should seek some like helping guidance around this for yourself because it just it sounds really um, it just sounds disruptive and difficult. And like it sounds like you're going through it and it's something that can probably be addressed. Are there coaches
1: that teach this to people? Because I could maybe use one and I'm not joking when I say I, I might need I, mean, I could use it.
0: There are definitely coaches that coach people to like be managers Mm. and like help them deal with that and there are definitely coaches that help people figure out how to be more organized interesting okay um I just think that like you I think that if you if you I think like with ADD I think there's something beyond what probably I think a coach probably has like great strategies but I think that if, if you have ADD you probably need an intervention beyond just those strategies mm, mm-hmm. you know but i think th- i think those are great like i think those strategies and those coaches are awesome and there it's just it's really good it's like you know it's not therapy but it's like someone whose whole job is to help you kind of like troubleshoot things mm-hmm. and you know observe yourself in a situation so i don't know i think that could be useful
1: hmm. okay cool well yeah hope it's going okay over there and uh, let us know yeah keep us posted so hey, it's great to be back. Thank you for um being patient. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I'm glad you said that, Catherine. Yes. Thank you, everyone, for thank being you. cool. Um, people were so nice when we were like, um, I think we said oh, I think we said in the Facebook group that I was sick and everyone mm. was like, Take your time, don't record till you're ready. Mm. It was just like really nice. It's like thank you guys. Yeah.
1: yeah, sweet. So hey, listen, you can tweet at us at struggle bus pod, email us at strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com if you have a question. Or if you'd like to join our secret Facebook group, just make sure there are two separate emails and you put in the subject line that it's a question versus a Facebook group. Instagram.com slash the Struggle Bus Pod. Go on to StruggleBusPodcast.com to find out how to become a VIP bonus member for as little as $5 a month. You get access to all of our monthly bonus episodes and a cool thing in the mail. Tweet it. Use the hashtag StrugglePodBuds420 to find a struggle buddy. Tweet at Sally T. Tweet at me at SPK Heller. And Sally has the song of the week, 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 week. Yeah, I do. So um, I didn't know what to pick.
0: And so I Googled what is a really good song to listen to. And I got um, this, uh, I I clicked on this link, The 100 Greatest Songs of All Time. And I chose one from there. This song is Fast Car by Tracy Chapman, which is, uh, it's true. It is one of the best songs of all time. It's from her 1988 album, Tracy Chapman And in fact It was released 30 years ago Almost to the day Wow April 6, 1988 Look at that Who'd have thunk it mm-hmm. So um get into it It's, it's a really good song Yeah
1: Alright So hey
0: Thank you so much for listening I'm Kate I'm Sally Bye Bye You get a fast car I want a ticket to anywhere Maybe we make a deal Maybe together we can get somewhere Any place is better
1: Starting from zero,
0: got nothing to lose. <laughs> sad That was not a very convincing meow. Meow. <laughs>